Thanks so much for tuning in. I'm Alex Mejias. I'm here with Brandon and Luke from Builder, and really excited to have a conversation today about some of the common misconceptions that founders have when they get a company started or when they're thinking about getting a company started. So thanks, guys, for joining me sure, today. Yeah. Appreciate it. Thanks Appreciate it. Us. We're glad to be here in our office. <laughs> yes, yes, this is Builder's <laughs> office and cool microphones, and, and it's a very high-tech operation. So <laughs> That's right. <laughs> don't don't expect this um, in any other videos, but um, but yeah, wanted to give you guys a chance just to briefly kind of introduce yourselves and and what Builder is, and uh, and then we can go from there. So please tell tell me about Builder. Sure, yeah. So um, my name's Luke. Uh, I'm the product lead at Builder, um, and yeah, in short, we just help people create um, new tech companies, whether it's um, a startup or a larger company that's trying to do um, a new product from scratch. Mm -hmm. um, that's what we do. Um, everything, everything but the code. Um, so yeah, it's, it's a lot of fun. Yeah. And I'm Brandon. Um, I'm the design lead and what he said is what we do. Excellent. <laughs> Excellent. Now we've had um, the chance to work together some, and I'm, I'm sort of more on like the business and legal side of very similar group of people of, of emerging tech startups. And so it's fun to kind of have a conversation about some of these misconceptions. I think for, I'm really curious to get y'all's perspective from the, pro, you know, particularly from the product side, but really we can talk about whatever. Sure. So um, let's start off by um, maybe throwing out a, a one or two or three of the common misconceptions that you all see um, as you talk to, to new founders out there. Yeah, so the, the biggest one that sticks out, in my mind at least, is, um, you know, just the overall mindset of whether the, the goal of a, of a new company is to create something and execute on something or to prove something. You know, it's, it's really the, the difference between um, launching um, or kind of going about something more scientifically. Um, that, that's the biggest one in my mind. Are we, and are those both good goals or should they have one or the other in mind? I think it, it's all about the season. Um, so if you uh, skip the proving part, um, the, the science part, then, and go straight to executing, um, you're, you're probably not going to get to anything. Um, but if you do the proving part first, then um, you can execute with confidence um, and way lower risk and execute better. Um, so yeah, yeah, it's, it can be a mess if you, if you don't go about it in one than the other. And if I, if to, to kind of broaden that out, so to prove things out, uh, there's another kind of big mis misconception there as far as what it takes to prove out a concept or idea. And so everybody talks about MVP, but nobody really has a clear idea of what that MVP actually should be. Mm -hmm. um, does it need to be this $250,000 MVP or could it be something that you cobble together? And so we've, we've had a lot of conversations around that and a lot of people come in thinking that, okay, it has to do this, it has to have these features, it has to do these things. And we're like, well, let's reel it back. Yeah. So I want to talk more about um, proving, like how, how, how do you go about proving? Um, and, and I'm assuming that this applies to, you know, new, brand new companies, but also maybe a new product that an existing company is launching or a new service line that an existing company might be launching as well. Yeah. So that, um, you know, a lot of proving, 
um, in the startup world, you get to like numbers around traction. Um, but we, we really talk more about proving things in terms of product market fit and customer value. Um, so we, we generally go about things in three steps. Um, we call it the serial method. Uh, there are plenty of other things, uh, to do that with. Um, but it's, it's three steps. So the first one is opportunity. Um, that's just answering the question, is there a big problem, uh, in the market? Um, the second one is do, is the, um, value stage, which is do people value a solution to that problem, which is not always the case. Um, and how much do they value it? Um, cause it could be a big problem, but nobody really cares and they only value it a little bit, uh, cause it's that value that you're monetizing. Um, and then the third step is, is there a profitable way to actually deliver that value? Um, because it could be something super valuable, but you can't, um, actually figure out how to make a business on delivering that value. Um, so those three points of layers of proof um, is really what we build the foundations of, of new companies on. Um, and if you can check all those boxes, then it's time to execute. And is that something that typically happens before you start working on an MVP or while you're working on MVP? Or how does, how does that you know, interact with, yeah. with your MVP? Yeah, so the, the MVP is kind of like a it's about positioning the MVP uh, as a tool to help you check those boxes. Um, and every business concept, every uh, value proposition kind of relates to an MVP differently. Um, so the first stage is really just about research. It's talking with people. So you don't need an MVP for that. Um, the second stage, that's really where the MVP comes in, in terms of uh trying to learn about how how much people value a solution um, by solving that problem in the most efficient and unscalable way. Um, so that's generally where an MVP comes in. Um, it could be a product. It could just be um, kind of a puppeted service. Um, so you're not really learning about usability of a product or anything like that. You're, you're still learning about kind of pure customer value. Uh, and that can, you can learn about that in lots of different ways that doesn't involve, um, some tech product. Uh, so that, that's generally how we position an MVP. Um, it's more of a tool rather than a, a thing to achieve. Yeah. I, I feel like a lot of people end up building MVPs and, and thinking it's their initial stab at what that product will actually be. And then they start building on top of it once they start to validate certain things and they start iterating on top of it. But we encourage our founders and, and, the, and the other enterprise companies that we work with that these MVP products are meant to be thrown away. Hmm. The foundation is not a foundation that is to be able to scale with. And so it, sh it should be a cobbled set of tools so that we can help gather the necessary information and data to prove out an argument, essentially. Hmm. That's interesting. I think in the past, I've, I've thought about the MVP as sort of like the foundational technology, but just with limited features mm -hmm. that you eventually kind of build out. So that is, that is a little bit of a different yeah. perspective than I think that, you know, I've, I've, I've thought of before, but curious about why you, why you encourage that? Is it, is it more because you want to be able to build something 
that is very quick and very, um, you yeah, know. It, it's, it's tricky because, you know, one, I think the MVP is the biggest first step temptation into mentally transitioning from learning to executing because MVPs can be still very complicated to build. Um, and so if you then kind of jump into an MVP, no matter how uh, bespoke it is or off the shelf, um, it can still be mentally consuming to say, oh, I've got to make this thing. Um, so it, it starts to hijack your, your thought process. <laughs> the second nice. thing is um, MVPs, um, just by the nature of them, um, they become f- fairly precious to the company. Um, and it's rare that an MVP is built um, in a way to where you don't have to completely gut it um, once you are getting, once things start working out and you're ready to build a product that scales. Um, and so you wind up um, being too, holding onto it too tightly and not being willing to throw it away, which then hamstrings the development moving forward. And future growth. Um, and so um, it, it, it quickly turns from an asset of the company to a major liability. Mm. Um, and so the more disposable, um, your MVP can be, um, the more, the more freedom you'll have in the future, if there is a future for your company, because I mean, you may just get to a point where you say this isn't viable. Um, but, um, yeah, the less precious it can be for you and your team, um, the more freedom you'll have to throw it away and then rethink, hey, how do we how do we execute um, at a really high level? Right. That's interesting. So it really is just that tool for determining whether the market values your idea. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Okay. That's cool. That's interesting. Um, what are what are some of the other misconceptions um, that we had, we had to get some good conversation around that um, and we might come back to it but I want to make sure that we hit some of the other ones that we've talked about. Yeah, so an, another one we talked about was um, just the the role of engineering and engineers early on. Um, you know, we um, we run into a lot of uh, people and teams that um, look at hey, you really need a technical co-founder. You're doing a tech company. Um, so who's going to be making it? Um, and there, that, that role is changing and that mm. need is changing, uh, at least as far as we're seeing, um, because um, tech companies are, or tech startups are no longer about like what is technically possible um, or is this idea technically possible? Because it 99% of the time it is. Um, and, um, what is, um, what's more difficult, um, and a higher risk is one, is it valuable? Uh, and two, how do you navigate the process? Um, Hmm. and so we've been kind of landing more and more on you, you need less if, if not no tech talent early on, like as you're proving things, because uh, again, engineers, you you get into the the 
mindset of now you're executing, you got to make something. Um, and that's what engineers do. Um, and so if you're not in the making phase, um, you, you don't necessarily need makers around to, to make something. Um, and so we see the, yeah, (laughs) (laughs) our builders. Um, and so the, the more, the more important thing is really sales. Yeah. Um, mm, yeah. you know, early on what you're doing is talking with people yeah. and, and trying to get people, um, passionate about an idea, which is really hard, um, because it's, it's a very inglorious process of getting people excited about something that, uh, may be really clunky, you know, it's saying, yeah. Hey, we're, we're going to email you this thing and then manually do this thing in the background, but hopefully it'll be something that really changes how you do something. Um, so it's that that sales emphasis um, and just desire to talk with people um, we find is a is a much more relevant need um, and harder to fulfill need um, early on. Yeah, and one th- oh, go ahead. I mean, not to say that engineers having them on early on isn't important because it actually still is very important. We just need them to have that learning hat on as well, mm. as far as, okay, cool. This is what we're learning. This is what we're finding. So I need to be thinking about building it in this way. I need to be thinking about these prospective um, options that might be necessary to go down. Uh, even though there's no necessary, no, no real blueprint, um, I, I should still be thinking about these things. And so having them in some of the conversations or interviews and relating to that end user right. or end customer is super important for them putting together a, a quality app as well. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. And it's interesting, like when I think about the the tech space, there's so much competition and oftentimes um, the, the building of the thing is not really the innovation um, because if you build something, what is, what's stopping one of the huge tech companies from building that same thing, right. um, and building it better and faster than you, than mm-hmm. you can, what you really need to be doing is figuring out value that you can drive and, and be able to have sort of a unique value proposition that can withstand some competition. Right. Um, and so I think that when you, when you think about the, the value in that early stage, it's really, it's really not about what you're able to build mm-hmm. because all, almost anybody's able to build that right. thing. Yeah. <laughs> <clears throat> and you're not going to be able to build something that people just can't figure out yeah. how to replicate. Yeah. It's rare that you're inventing something, right. You know, something that can be this black box of intelligence like that. I mean, that's at least from an IP standpoint, that's the nice thing about machine learning. If mm-hmm. you have access to all this data because you are, like it, it's inherently kind of proprietary based on the data that you're feeding into a model. It's still often off the shelf models, but it's it's more and more difficult now to invent something um, that, yeah, that's either difficult to replicate or um, a company would look at it and say, we should just buy that rather than build it. Mm-hmm. Um, but back to what we were talking about in terms of you know, where engineering or what type of engineering talent is helpful early on. Um, it, it's actually kind of like a, a an odd, um, you know, it's that, that cobbling skill set that often when we're creating MVPs, um, what we 
hire engineers for when we do is kind of like API integrations, um, things that we can't pull off with um, Zapier or something like that. Um, because really the best MVPs, at least in, in our opinion, is you take one service connected to another service and then a, maybe a third service and apply it in a, in a valuable way. And sometimes that connection um, can be, you know, that's where the real valuable work is. Um, and if you can, if you can integrate existing technologies to prove something out, um, that can be a really valuable application of, of engineering time and money. Yeah. How do you, how do you all go about convincing or educating founders about these initial misconceptions because they're big. Mm-hmm. I think that, you know, people get excited about an idea and they, and they look at the market and, and they say, well, no one, no one has done this before. Um, and there might be a reason for that. And, and, yeah. but they, but they look at that and they say, well, and I'm going to do that thing. <clears throat> and, and they maybe start trying to figure out like a development team to build it. So like people get really excited about their idea and they start running down this road and then they come, they walk in your door mm-hmm. and they're all gung ho. How do you reorient their thinking? What, are, what, are, what types of, um, arguments or, or how, how do you, how do you figure out how to get, make the light bulb go off that like, Hey, that this is actually a better way to go about this doing it. The idea. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, you know, that, that's one other, um, benefit of that three-step process is, you know, that one, if you're just starting with an idea or trying to discover a product, I mean, we call it product discovery. Um, uh, so if you start with an idea, an idea is basically a, uh, a solution to an assumed problem uh, in the best case scenario. If you're, if you're looking at like games and social networks, that's, that's a different ball game. Um, but um, you know, that's, that's also a way to say, here are the assumptions that your idea stands on. Like one that your idea, like your solution stands on the, the assumption that this is a big problem Two that people want this problem to be solved. And three, by solving it in this way, um, you'll be able to build a profitable business. Right. Um, and if one of those, if one of those three legged, and we call it a three legged, um, stool, essentially, <laughs> if, if one of those pigs gets knocked over your, your business, your whole idea, your, the gamble that you just put together is completely a wash. Right. Mm. And, it, and so that's, what a lot of people come to us with, with the confidence that this is a great idea and it, and it just might be, um, right. but with just the ignorance of not really knowing how to prove that out. And so you guys start by asking those questions mm-hmm. and, and sort of saying like, here, here are the assumptions that we see. So yeah. 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 yeah and, and one other thing is, you know, even when people come to us, we try hard actually not to talk about their idea. Um, which is a little weird, um, but, um, you know, the idea is what motivates people. Um, but if we can, uh, if we can reorient them around, you know, you often are looking at two, um, two different paths and sometimes they're mutually exclusive where one is, um, you're passionate about executing on, on this idea. The other path is you're you're passionate about um, 
starting a business. Uh, and it often, if you're so married to an idea, it won't turn into a business. Like if you're so um, kind of bullish about just going heads down and, and pursuing just this idea because you think it's going to work, um, you really may miss out on bigger and better opportunities. Um, so, um, you know, one, one nice thing is I, I think at least, um, I think as some of the shine has worn off on startups as like, let's just come up with great ideas and run with them. Um, and larger companies have, have, um, really championed just the product mindset of how do you, how do you validate something? How do you listen to customers? Mm -hmm. Um, I mean, it's just a general, uh, kind of disposition of humility, listen to people, do things that they care about and try to not be too married to the things that are in your own head. Um, I think that kind of uh, prevailing in the culture has also made it easier to where um, people, when you talk about validation, people are like, yeah, I've heard of that. I know that's a good thing to do. Um, so let's do that. Hmm. Um, so we don't have to be the baddest of bad guys right. by completely crushing people's dreams because they're they're already kind of sensitive to yeah, I, I need to validate something um, because that's that's something that a lot of people are talking about. And usually we're not the first people that, that are talking to them. You right. know, it's friends and family or, or close co-workers or something like that. And it's, it's just not an easy thing to do um, when, you're, when, you're, when you come to the point where you're like, I need to validate this thing that I really love and that this right. thing that I'm very <laughs> passionate about. It could turn out that that thing is not a real need or nobody really values it. And that could be something where people will just turn a blind eye to like, no, we're going to do it. And we've had people do that. This is, this is got, it got, it has to go down this way. And we're like, well, we'll just, we're going to pull out because we don't want to be able to support that or put our name on that. Um, Cause it's, it's unfortunately like a lot of people end up just being so married to that. And I mean, we're, We've, we've all been there. <laughs> yeah. It's hard to throw away things you care about. Yeah. I mean, it's funny. There's, there's like a very em- emotional connection between a founder and their idea. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Sometimes maybe some, in, in rare instances, it ends up serving them well, if, you know, to hold to their convictions. I think that there are outliers probably yeah. um, where you have these leaders who just sort of defy reason, mm-hmm. um, you know, the unicorns, you know, the Steve Jobs of the world who just have a vision for a product that no one thinks anyone needs right. or, um, and sees that vision through and, and it is a huge success. But I think that people oftentimes, um, think that they are the next Steve Jobs and, you know, I mean, and they might be, but, um, but it's a lot, it's a lot of risk. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's a whole lot of risk to take. Um, and, uh, and so I think that the way that you all think about things, um, is a way to sort of de-risk a project and to also, um, really follow a methodology mm-hmm. for launching a new product, a new service, a new business, right. um, that, that is actually replicable. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 And it, it, it's funny because, you know, people like Steve Jobs, um, 
you know, a lot of people even go back to like Henry Ford and, and, and people like that, you know, you know, there's the, the quote that kind of drives me crazy of like, if Henry Ford listened to, listened to the market, uh, he would have just made faster horses. Um, and there, that's wrong for a lot of different reasons, but that, that also gets into the, um, you know, really the different paradigms of are you inventing something um, or are you providing a service or um, like creating new structures for people to interact um, and, and things like that. So it's um, people are, are inventing plenty, plenty of things nowadays, but it's not like SaaS products. Right. You know? um, <laughs> yeah. And, um, you know, you're looking into like bioengineering and like there's tons in the, like, yeah, the medical field and, and, and things like that. Um, but in software, you know, the real inventors are people that are creating new languages mm -hmm. and, and new infrastructures and mm -hmm. things like that. Um, and for, for us playing in the, how do we apply technology? Um, you know, it, it, it really is a different mindset that you have to um, have to use because you don't, you don't necessarily have to say, okay, this is the better way to do that. I'm going to create this over the next year. Um, because the only way to learn about it, uh, and validate it is to make it and launch it like, um, like a, a new language, mm -hmm. you know, you can't really tiptoe into, um, creating a fundamentally new, um, coding language or something mm -hmm. like that, um, or quantum computing, you know, something that is, uh, like you just have to do it. Right. And that takes heavy risk, heavy investment up front. Um, but in this, in this realm, you know, I don't, I don't think the Steve Jobs and, and the Henry Fords are, um, or the Elon Musk really even like apply really, because it's just a different thing yeah. that you don't have to, um, yeah, you don't have to shoot for the moon and spend the money that goes into a moonshot um, to learn about viability. Yeah, that's cool. So the last, we, we talked about one other misconception thing, Brandon, you, you brought it up about just how hard it is <laughs> to yeah. get a new, new yeah. thing off the ground. Can you talk a little bit about that? Yeah, I mean, man, uh, every founder, let's just start with this. Our, our best clients typically are people who have done this before. Mm. People who have tried and, and failed. And, and that's the, we're, we're trying to reduce that, of course. We're trying to reduce that fail rate. But like, it's really helpful to have somebody who's gone through it before with all of the knowledge that they've um, gathered of how difficult this really is um, and all of the distractions out there, everything that's trying to pull your attention left and right. Um, and then when it comes to actually executing, it's like, oh, yeah, just just make it. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah. Um, just the big button make. And, uh, you know, everything that goes into it, I mean, we have uh, a helpful process to to – step into each and every one of those very important steps. Um, a lot of people don't understand these steps and it's really difficult to educate them and what is necessary to educate them in. It's just like, you should know what this is for. However, um, a lot of this is way over your head 
and you're going to hire somebody that's going to, that should know how this works. Yeah. 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 We look at it a lot as, um, like entrepreneurship is, is a team sport. Yeah. It's, it's un unwise and also unfair to expect one person to be not only capable, but excel in so many different areas and different seasons of a company. Um, and so, yeah, it's, it's, um, it's okay to lean on, on the expertise of others. Um, and part of that really, uh, comes with the ability and willingness to trust other people. You know, often we find when, when an idea and a founder's vision is so precious, it becomes really hard to trust other people. Um, and I get that. Um, and so that, that's, that's part of the, the reason why we try to, to downplay things like vision, um, because it, it, yeah, it makes it, um, much easier to pull other people in and trust them, um, and delegate, um, in, in ways that, that other people might really excel. Um, because then, I mean, that's the making of a great, not just a great product, but a great company, mm-hmm. you know, where that's led by someone who knows their strengths and weaknesses and can delegate, um, and, and trust other people with, um, with their skill sets. Um, and so, yeah, it, it, it can become such a, um, a personal challenge of, um, of what can you let go of? What can you, or who can you lean on? Yeah. Um, that, you know, founders can be their own worst enemy. And if you don't, if, if you can't see that propensity in yourself to control, um, and like do the, the, Steve Jobs thing or, or whatever that would be of just being the visionary founder that it has to be my way or the highway um, because I am right. Um, yeah. And if it, if it doesn't have to be like that, then, um, you know, it, I think it can turn from a, an exercise in, of luck, you know, are you just so happened to be like the, the, the lucky one um, or the genius um, and then you can change it into more of a, a, a challenge of skill and experience and, and delegation and team building and things like that, which I think that's a, a better game to play, at least yeah. in my opinion. Yeah, definitely. So, so don't go it alone yeah. is the message and, yeah. and, and be open to others, contribution ideas, yeah. um, and, and letting go. That's good. I like that. Yeah. Well, I really appreciate y'all taking, taking the time to, to speak and I think we could talk about this for a, a whole <laughs> lot longer. Um, but we'll kind of leave it here for now, but if people want to get in touch with, with you all, um, what's, what's the best way for them to, to reach out to you? Yeah. So we're just about to launch a new website, um, where it's start with builder, start with BLDR.com. Um, and that's usually the best place for, yeah. um, yeah, we're doing a lot of portfolio and, and blog and podcast stuff. We're ramping up to that, but for now, um yeah our site's a good spot we always love to talk with people great well thanks so much guys thanks Thanks, man all right